reading from John 4, verse 28 to 42. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. So, when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Brilliant stuff. Good morning. It's great to see everyone. Uh, and thank you guys for leading us in worship. I was really struck just with the simplicity of worship today. And sometimes when we don't have the full band, it just reminds us of the essence of just coming with our voices and making a joyful noise towards God. I was really touched in the worship there. And thank you for the effort. I know it takes a lot when you to get up and get everything prepared for worship. So... Um, I was just um, thinking, just when I saw uh, Teresa's testimony video, the doctor got off lightly, right? That she got that phone call. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get blasted by Teresa. That would be something else. Um, <clears throat> have you ever felt out of your depth? You know, sometimes life brings us challenges that feel more than we can cope with and we can feel out of our depth. And we see that in all kinds of ways. You know, Pep Guardiola in the Champions League with Man City, out of his depth. <laughs> Arsenal at Brentford, out of their depth. I want to keep going. <laughs> but it's possible, isn't it? And I wonder if this lady felt a bit like that. A woman who had been known not for her faith, but probably by her bad character. And yet, then she goes, and she goes to tell others about Jesus. What did she have? She had the story of a life that had been changed and impacted by meeting with Jesus. And out of the simplicity of that, we see not just a change in her life, 
but actually this whole group of people come to experience something of Jesus. They come and they, they, they encourage Jesus and they say, Jesus, spend time with us. And we see those verses at the end where it says that we don't just believe because of what you've said, but now we own it. It's ours. It's personal. And that comes from speaking of an encounter with Jesus. You know, we've been looking at the last couple of weeks of how we communicate our faith to others. You know, a, a few weeks ago, John spoke very clearly on can we talk about suffering and how do we engage with the difficulties of life, the stuff that we'd rather not go through, how do we engage with that and point people to Jesus on the back of it. Last week, we celebrated changed lives as we celebrated the baptisms of Tony and Sam and those two remarkable story. One, a Bangladeshi Muslim come to faith in Christ and his uh, story, he's now telling others what Jesus has done for him and it's impacting them. The other story that we celebrated last week was Same uh, from a Punjabi Sikh background who came through alcoholism to the cross. And even just in the week, he cooks for our homeless ministry and he doesn't normally get to go to it because he's been very ill. But just even in two or three days before he was baptized, he was able to share his faith with a number of those guys who've come from broken backgrounds of alcohol and share what Jesus has done. And friends, Jesus is in the business of taking lives that are broken and restoring them. Out of death, hope out of despair, joy out of, out of brokenness, light out of darkness. And we want to be thinking about how do we speak and tell others the good news of Jesus? How do we get to share our faith with others? And I want us to look today, a few weeks before that, I talked about Lazarus and the fallout from uh, what happened with him when Jesus raised Lazarus and what happened, the impact of a changed life. And I want us to look at this passage in John 4. Now, a few a while back, Bex preached a sermon on this, which is probably on our website. I would imagine you should look at that. It will give you some context. We don't have time to go into that. But it's Jesus bringing good news to this woman at a well. And I want us to see that in her own life, she was impacted, that she was sent out with an intention to go and tell others, but also she went with an invitation to come and to see. And I want us to look at that, that sense of being impacted, having an intention to share, but also going with an invitation you see, let's first, let's start with uh, uh, that first part, the impact of a changed life. The impact of a changed life. John 4, uh, 28 says, And so the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all the things I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. You see, this woman had met 
with Jesus. If we look at the background, we see an entirely cross-cultural context. Jesus is there breaking down barriers. Jesus is crossing over barriers. As a Jew he and a, and a rabbi, he's, he's uh, sitting and asking for help from a Samaritan that would not have happened. The Samaritans were seen as others, as those who had deformed the Jewish faith. They were seen as unclean. They were not part in the Jewish eyes of the covenant of Israel. So here she was, an outsider to Jesus. But also, as a woman, it wouldn't have been appropriate for Jesus to be alone with her in the cultural context of the day. And we see Jesus crosses barriers to bring good news. One of the things I think you should, if you, if you read this, and this is why we read the Bible in context. In John 3, we see that, uh, we see that one of the Pharisees comes to Jesus, somebody who is, who is righteous in the eyes of the Jewish law, and Jesus points out the inadequacies, inadequacies of him. In other words, Jesus says to him, maybe you feel like you're an insider, but really you need to be born again. So to the insider, Jesus is saying, actually, you're not as much as an insider as you think. And then here to this outsider, Jesus comes and invites her in. And it's really interesting. One of them, Jesus points out, you are never too good to need him. And then to this lady who maybe thought she was too bad, Jesus makes the point that you were never too bad for him. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Jesus at work sharing good news. And I want to say that we as a church, as we're absolutely committed to being a multicultural, multi-generational community of people who love God, love one another, and love this place where God has put us. And that means we're committed to crossing barriers. It means we're committed to building life and friendship with people who are different to us. That what joins us isn't the same, but actually in our differences, we're joined by the unity that we have in Jesus. And the gospel is good news for all. And one of the sad things in our city is that if you are working class, you are unlikely to have had a relevant presentation of the gospel in your culture. And friends, as a church, we need to change that. If you are from a, a, an Asian background, particularly if you are Muslim or Hindu or Sikh, you are unlikely to have had the gospel explained to you. Because as church, we've generally stayed in this city in monocultural hubs, and we haven't taken the gospel to people who may be a different to us. And that's why we need to be a multicultural, multi-generational church sharing good news of Jesus with others. You know, the cultural barriers, the barriers of gender, of race, of social class, of housing, they can make presenting the gospel more challenging. But friends, barriers are meant to be broken down. You know, when it comes to the kingdom of God, you know, we don't need to reinforce those barriers, but we need by faith to see them broken down. 
And there's very little that without, with commitment, some gospel intention, a little bit of contextualization and determination, there's very little barriers that can't be bridged. Jesus modeled that sense of impact coming through crossing barriers. And friends, I want to say that is what we are called to do. Let's see this lady's life. It says that she left immediately and went back to her village. You know, this lady was, and we'll see, you'll see if you if you read through John 4 exactly why she she was known for her immorality. She was known as an outcast. The sense of going to uh, collect water on her own, potentially placing herself in danger in the middle of the day, not the best time to do it. This speaks of the fact that she was seen by others as somebody on the outside. And yet her encounter with Jesus brought her into the inside you know, the, the sense of change that happens. We read that she left her water bottle and went. Now, you know, we don't know. Maybe that was an act of hospitality to Jesus. Maybe it was excitement. You know, when something good happens to you and you've just got to tell someone. And it feels a bit like that, a bit like Peter and the disciples when they catch this huge catch of fish, when Jesus first calls them, two boats full. And what happens? It says they left everything and followed Jesus. The fish could rot. They wanted the one who had blessed them more than the blessing. And I get the sense that this lady has been touched by Jesus. She's excited and she just wants to go. Why? Because when you find Jesus, you find a new priority. What I love in John's gospel is the mix-up between the natural and the spiritual. Even as the disciples come in on the back of that, Jesus is talking about, I've got food that you don't know about. Disciples are talking about lunch. Jesus is talking about a spiritual realm. Jesus earlier in John 3 is talking about getting born again and somebody's talking about how does that work? There's a new priority. She's been talking about physical water. Jesus talks about living water and suddenly the penny drops and you know what? That drink of water doesn't seem so important right now. When you are impacted by Jesus, our priorities change. We become different. How can we go around living the way we used to if Jesus makes us new? I want to ask you, has your life been changed by an encounter with Jesus? You know, it's great to be in church. It's great to read the Bible. It's great to to have friendships. But have you placed your faith in Jesus as Lord and Saviour? If not, I want to encourage you that today is the day to do that. Has your life been changed by Jesus? Have you believed in him? Have you turned from your sin? And have you made him the Lord, the boss of your life? You know, this lady encountered Jesus was different and wanted to tell others. And it's very basic level, I want to say to you, there is stuff in our life, there's a level of brokenness and difficulty, there is sin that gets dealt with by no other way than through faith in Jesus.
And if you encounter Jesus, he will change you. Secondly, there's an intention, but also an instruction, an intention. The intention that this lady has, secondly, is to go and tell others. Go and tell others. And I want us to see how that's an intention for her, and it ought to be for us. But also there's the clear and simple instruction of Jesus to go and share good news with others. What a beautiful response. This woman who had been an outcast, she met with Jesus, and now instead of hiding from people, she wants to go and be with them. It really strikes me that when Jesus changes our lives, he does something fundamental in our hearts. Those fears, those insecurities, that sense of shame, Jesus breaks the power of those things. You know, particularly relevant to, you know, as we share Jesus with many of our neighbors who live in much, very much of a shame, on a shame culture. Actually, Jesus is the one that is able to deal with the sense of shame that many of us carry. She went away and began to tell others. You know, I believe as Christians that we, God wants to give us a natural intention to want to share good news with others. You know, it's on such a basic level, isn't it? You go eat somewhere that's good and cheap. What do you do? You go tell others. You know, you see a movie that you like, you want to go and you want to tell others. Something good happens to you and you want to go and tell others. And I believe the most fundamental transformation of finding life in all its fullness of being forgiven and made new, the inclination is to want to tell others. This lady had that intention. I want to say, if you're a follower of Jesus and you don't have that, we'd love to pray with you today that God would give you that desire to share good news with others. If it's not part of our desire, I think something's gone wrong in our hearts or in our discipleship that fundamentally Christians are people who have an intention to share good news with others. That verse there, uh, verse 28, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Meeting Jesus didn't cause her to sit in a holy huddle, but to actually to go and to tell others. It caused her to go back. It caused her to want to share with the people that she knew. I like the fact that she went and she spoke of Jesus. She didn't just talk about, didn't just fall for this kind of myth that we just have to love people. No, no, she knew that she needed to talk about Jesus. And as Christians, we absolutely must be known by our love for others. But love in itself will never save someone. The gospel is primarily spoken. Yes, it is demonstrated, but it is primarily spoken. And she went and she spoke of Jesus to others. 
When we love people, I believe that we want to speak of Jesus with them, with them of Jesus. And the emphasis becomes about grace. It's not about, oh, I'm superior now. But it's look what God has done for me. That sense that you see with her of even me. That is grace. The woman had had five husbands and she was living with a guy who wasn't her husband. She would have been seen as other, as outside in a wrong relationship. She's a woman who'd grown used probably to being alone, to being spoken about. Rather than hiding from people, she goes and she uses her own life as an example. Isn't that great? That fundamentally, that sense of shame, that sense of hiding has gone. The people who would used to see her, maybe when everybody else had gone, they'd seen her scurrying off to the water to go collect on her own. The fact that she would may well have wanted to avoid people. Now she goes towards them. You can imagine the, uh, the sense in which that happens. Imagine the humility, though, it would have uh, taken for her to do that. Imagine the response. Here's somebody telling them, who is this the Messiah? It would have confronted their own sense of self-righteousness. Rather than hiding, she is now in plain sight. Here's the thing. Grace understood brings us out of shame and into a place of acceptance. When we truly understand the grace of God, we can know that we are accepted. For all of our faults, despite being not being perfect, we are accepted. Grace understood breaks the power of shame. And friends, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed. All things are new. You don't have to hide away. But grace lived means that we want to tell others about Jesus. Not because we have to, but because we want to. When we've experienced freedom, liberation, healing, a new life. We just want to tell others about it. You know, there's great power in sharing your story. As I said, this lady may have felt out of her depth. How is she who's known for immorality to go and to share good news with others? How's she about to tell them about religious stuff? And it's interesting because what happens is we see that she shares her story but connects her story to God's big story. A few weeks ago, Caroline challenged us around that, didn't she? The idea of, you know, in a post-COVID world, how do we go out trying to get people to connect their story into God's big story? How do we get them to make sense of their life in the light in the light of who God is. And I want to say there is such power in your testimony. Just sharing, this is what God has done for me. You know, I've met some really educated fools in my time. One of the smartest guys I know 
We once had a conversation with him telling us, and he studied philosophy, and that probably makes sense. But he tried to have a, we have this conversation, and he was telling me that probably neither of us exists, and that one of us is a figment of the other's imagination. Friends, the guys had gone, the guy had gone to the country's top school, had had the best possible education, smart, smart guy, but was an educated fool. You know, somebody with a just a sense of God's touch and God's grace in their life is able to share, this is what Jesus did for me. Yes, we grow in our understanding of the Bible. Yes, we need to think about how do we share Jesus in a relevant way. Yes, there are good questions people have that we need to be able to answer. But at its basic level, to be able to say, this is what Jesus did in my life. Telling others our story. You know, and I believe that needs to be our intention because certainly, even if it's not our intention, it's our instruction. You know, Jesus was abundantly clear time and time again. We see Jesus sending people with the go and tell, go and tell, go and tell. Jesus sent out the 12, the 72. Jesus sends out the disciples in Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus said to the, came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. The very last instructions that Jesus gives are to go. You know, in that start of Acts, we see Jesus and he's, uh, it recalls how Jesus says, you go and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. The, the church was never meant just to be gathered, but also to be sent. And we gather to be sent. We come together to receive encouragement, teaching, instruction, fellowship, to go, to go, to tell others the good news of Jesus. And we're called not just to make converts. We're not called to get someone to pray a prayer. But we're called to make disciples. That's a follower, an apprentice of Jesus. You know, it's how you learn the trade, isn't it? An apprenticeship. You go to be an apprentice carpenter. Yes, there's some book learning. But a lot of it is get around the guys and they'll show you how to do the job. And that's the sense in which we are called to make disciples. We use the Bible, we teach people, but also disciples are made. We share life together. And the command is always to go. But also within that, there's the sense of an invitation to come and to see and I love the fact that Jesus sends them out with the instruction to go, but also there's this invitation to come and see. It's one of the kind of paradoxes there, the go and tell and come and see. And it's one of those things that's really clear as we look through the Bible. Part of our going and telling brings us to the place where, like this lady, she says, come and meet a man who told me everything about me. 
There is the going, but also the come and see. And with us, as we uh, journey together as church, part of the come and see is to come and see church. It's come and see the body of Christ visible. Come and see this isn't just me. It's not just me that's a nice person, if you're a nice person. It's not just me that's a good person. It's not just me that's kind and generous. No, no, this is the body of Christ. Come and see Christ's body visible. If this lady said, come and see Jesus, part of what we hold out is come and see the body of Christ in action together. You know, the African proverb talks about it takes a village to raise a child. Brothers and sisters, in the New Testament, it takes a church to raise a disciple. Because we are always called to invite people in as they find faith into the committed community of a local church. And the invitation is to come and see, verse 29, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? The invitation isn't just to speak of Jesus, but to come to know him. To come to know him. I don't want to just talk about Jesus. I want to invite people to follow him. Why? Because my knowledge of Jesus isn't just book knowledge. But I know Jesus through faith. I've experienced him changing my life. And I want to hold out that invitation to others. And that's what we do as we go and tell. Part of our invitation is to come and see. She didn't wait for them to come to her. She went to them. And I believe there's a pattern of that in the Bible. But also she says, come and see. I like the fact that she, part of the invitation is provocation. Come and see, could this guy be the Messiah? You know, one thing I've learned is that in sharing Jesus with others, one of the best things I can do is ask questions. Not to do all the talking, but to ask questions. To live life in a way that provokes them. You know, somebody said, you know, you can't force people to believe. You know, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And the evangelist said, no, but you can put salt in his oats and make him thirsty. And brothers and sisters, I believe well-timed questions, well-timed, just a little drop, a little bomb. What about this? What about this? Could this be the Messiah? Part of the invitation. It's not just come and see a person who lived 2,000 years ago, but come and see Jesus at work in his body today. I believe part of our invitation is the church, the body of Christ. You know, when we set up this space on a Wednesday for common space and just invite the community in to come in and connect, have coffee, some food, and get to know others, what we're doing is we're saying, come and see the body of Christ at work. When we give out food to the homeless and things like that, that we do out the building and the homeless drop in with the, the other stuff we do as church, what we're saying is we're going and telling, but also we're saying, come and see This is what Jesus does in a changed life. The invitation is to come and see 
the body of Christ. Not an organization, not a building, not even just a bunch of nice people, but a called out community of people who love and live for King Jesus. It's an amazing thing. You know, I've said this before and it sounds corny and I like to travel and I've seen some great views in my life. But my favorite view is always from behind this pulpit. Why? Because I know some of the stories have changed lives. I know the stories of what God has done. Brothers and sisters, it will bring you to tears to know what Jesus does in the lives of people. It brings you to tears to see those whose lives have been wrecked but made whole. It brings you to tears to see those who were caught in respectability and needed to repent of that because they needed Jesus as well. When Jesus was asked by John the Baptist, John's in prison, he sends uh, some messengers and he says, are you the one? And what does Jesus say? He says, um, in, uh, in, in Luke 7, verse, uh, uh, in verse 22, and he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. John wanted to know, are you the one? What does Jesus say? Well, you're in jail, so you can't come and see. But tells the disciples, see what is happening. Brothers and sisters, let's open our eyes to see God is at work you know, there's a real balance. Sometimes we talk about this whole missional thing of, of, of go, go, go. And that's, that's in our church at the heart of it. But also we always balance that with the come and see. Come and see the body visible. Jesus' plan was for Christians to be part of a local church. The local church is the village, to use that analogy, that raises the disciple. Come and see. And that takes a community. It's never about one person. It's why as a church we're committed to team leadership. It's why as a church we believe that the body works together. One of the best things you can do with your non-Christian friends, I believe, is to introduce them to other Christians. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see what Jesus is doing. When people get to come and they see a group of people from different backgrounds, different races, different cultural backgrounds, different educational backgrounds, they see visibly that Jesus makes new. The affirmation that Jesus is Lord is a rejection of the fact that I'm my own boss. It's a rejection of individualism. It says we are called together. It breaks the fact that we see ourselves as the center of our lives. As we come together, as we worship in our difference, as we live life together as a community, not of sames, but a community of difference, we invite people to come and see God at work. 
You know, I'll talk again another time at some of the come and see and how do we fit this sense of doing different congregations together as one church. Why? Because we really believe people need us to go and tell. So we need to inconvenience ourselves as a church by reaching people where they're at. But also we need the stability of church. I've seen far too many kind of of the missional disciple-making movements where it just becomes individualistic, fractured and splintered, and there's no community. And we need to have the go and tell and the come and see. And as we do that together, I believe people are impacted. The results that, that just stand out, verse 42, they were saying to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this one is indeed the saviour of the world. What they're saying is, we saw, we heard you, we saw that you seem different. We went and we saw, we investigated Jesus. We even said, Jesus, come and stay a couple of days. Jesus stayed there with the Samaritans, again, breaking boundaries. Jesus stayed there, was with them. They were able to see him up close and personal. And then they say, we don't just believe because of you now. Thanks for the introduction. You know, you work in sales. It's like you get, a, you get a lead and someone else gets the sale. That's no fun, right? But that's kingdom. It's not about us. And they say, we saw you, but actually we don't need you. We need Jesus. And isn't that what the local church should do? That we're impacted Jesus. We go with the intention and instruction to share, and we go with an invitation, come and see. Brothers and sisters, I pray, sorry I've been a bit longer today, I just pray for you this week that you would go with that, that intention, that you would share your story, but also with the invitation to come and see, come and see the God who changed me and is changing lives. God bless you.